Welcome everybody to the, the latest installment of the MediaWorks Digital Masterclass. Today's session um, it is, is an interesting session. I think I'm going to learn a lot from this myself, to be honest, in the sense that um, this is around planning website relaunch and success, uh, five steps to avoiding a catastrophic loss of rankings. So there's definitely a, a more of a, fork from a, from an, a focus sorry, from an organic uh, perspective in this session. So I think... I always like to give context as to why we, we, we sort of focused on this session. So I think for us, when we were having the conversations around sort of this, this masterclass, we were saying that too often the mismanagement of a website's migration results in a huge loss of rankings and traffic. This can have an irreversible impact on your business's revenues. A straightforward and well-planned website migration plan is key to protecting your hard-earned domain authority and avoiding this potential damage to your rankings. I think it's fair to say that that Previously, we have discussed the most common pitfalls of a bad migration in our previous podcast. So for anybody who wants to listen, that's number 39, when we talked about the common pitfalls that people have encountered and that we've seen. So in this week's masterclass, uh, we're actually going to outline the five essential steps and processes to plan a safe and successful relaunch of your new site. We'll cover how to create and protect your platform in order to grow your search visibility, rankings, traffic, and future customer base. I think from, from our perspective, again, it's a case of if you don't carry out a migration of your website correctly, it can result in the near total loss of your organic rankings and traffic, as well as other performance marketing channels, um, such as your paid social, your paid search, your shopping, um, for example, which can all add up to a catastrophic loss of business when a new site goes live. You'd be surprised, ultimately, I think, how often it happens, how many horror stories we hear from across the industry, not usually or not ever with ourselves at the centre. Um, but I think it is the equivalent of moving your bricks and mortar superstore without telling anyone and expecting them to follow. If you don't put a weed move sign in your window, uh, forward your post, re uh, redirect your phone number and update your business details with the relevant suppliers and governing bodies, you're likely to experience significant issues. So I think... From my perspective, we've got so, some of our lead people who manage this from MediaWorks um, perspective on the call today. As I've said, my name's Dave Norris. I'm Performance Marketing Director. I'll be hosting this podcast, but we've also got Kev. Kev, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Kev Strong. I'm the Head of Technical SEO for MediaWorks, um, and I generally oversee most of the migrations from a tech perspective. Fantastic. And then we've also got Rachel McGuigan. Hi everyone. So my name is Rachel. I'm the head of insights and innovation at MediaWorks. Um, and really, we kind of get involved at the start when we talk about the data, which we'll cover in a little bit, and towards the end to make sure everything's tracking as you would expect. So I'm going to come to you first, then Kev, and I'm going to say sort of for for those listening or watching, um, what constitutes a website migration and why do businesses ultimately undertake them? So I think for me, the the main reason for uh, a website migration, first and foremost, is two reasons. Either they don't like the look of the current website and they want to give it a lick of paint, or the current website is not fit for purpose. They might not like the content management system. It might not tie in with any new business integrations, uh, EPOS systems, et cetera, et cetera. So what that basically means from a website migration perspective is 
literally moving a website from one platform to another or carrying out a reskin where it's like a paint. Um, I gave Rachel a really bad analogy earlier on, which was, um, you know, if, you, if you're sat in your house and you're not happy with uh, the way that your house looks, you know, you can just give it a bit of a lick of paint, change a couple of walls, re, you know, repaint in a, a room, whatever. But if the room or the house isn't fit for purpose, you know, there's not enough bedrooms or whatever, then you do have to move to a new house. And it's that's exactly how people should be looking at a, a website migration, basically. Cool. And, and I think for me, it's like, it's about understanding the motivation, isn't it? As well, like you say, Kev, because I think that, you know, there's a big difference between updating your website and, and I say, giving it the equivalent to a lick of paint. And there is like actually sort of redeveloping a web platform that does something very, very different. So I guess for me, then Rachel, the starting point is is sort of that we map out the starting point. So where, where are we at? Yeah, definitely. So this is something that we get quite involved in. And it's to understand what currently works because like, um, you know, we'll go on to talk about this further, but like Kev has just mentioned there, like, is it that you just need to make some small changes or is it actually a big change? And I guess you don't know that until you take a benchmark of your data. So for us, this key point relates to data. What is working? What's not working? Is it fit for purpose? And where does the value of your website lie? So what we think about here is we think about a few data sources that might help get us this information. So instantly, your web analytics platform, usually Google Analytics, holds a lot of data, historic data about your current website. So you'll understand how people arrive to your website, where do they spend their most time, what are they searching for, um, maybe where you lose visitors. And all of that will give you a good understanding of what works, what isn't, you know, um, we see this data help feed um, sitemaps and things like that, that we'll go and touch on further. But there's a lot that can be addressed here to understand the user journey and if that works and if that's achieving what you would expect. We would then look at other um, various data sources. So a big one is kind of user experience and reviews. So again, putting a tool sort of like Hotjar on your website and understanding how users interact with the page, um, getting some of their feedback on things that they like, dislike, and if there's any room for improvement, what were they trying to do? Because again, that's going to tell you whether it's new functionality, whether it is just changing the page, or what's really most important to your users and your um, ideal user journeys. We also can't forget about competitors. So every of all of your competitors have a share of the market. You need to make sure that you're matching, if not exceeding, the offering, the content, the functionality that they provide, because that's going to become an industry standard. And you don't want to go through with a site migration and be below the benchmark of your industry. So understanding what that landscape looks like is really, really important and also can help figure out if there's any gaps or if there's any areas for expansion, I guess, on your new website or your migration too, it'll give you more of that understanding of what needs to change and how big of a job this might be. And then lastly, if you just take away some of your current data and you kind of go to some more third-party pieces of data, you could look at external research companies. So we've done work with like focus groups who, you know, they actually get like really in-depth um, findings from, they give them very specific tasks and very, um, you know, 
like kind of detailed questions to get their feedback on. Or you could go to just your personas. So what are your personas of the website? What are their user journeys? And trying to understand that kind of help maps out where you might need to get to. And I think, you know, you've got quite a few different data sources you can use there, but they'll all shed different light on how things are currently working. What does your current landscape look like? And give you some idea where or what you might need to do next, where you might need to get to next. Yeah, I think I think for me, Rachel, you've highlighted a really important point in the sense that this is so data driven. Like use use what you've got, you know, use the insight that you've got to really drive any sort of migration project. I think one of the, the pitfalls that I've definitely seen is is that because the change might not be done from a position of data, you know, it might that might not be the the what's driven the motivation. It might be a rebrand um, for other reasons, business purposes, trading purposes, etc. It might be going into new geographical territories. It could be for any of those reasons. But I think that for me, the starting point to sort of help you navigate this journey is definitely the data. You know, using what works now. You know, benchmarking yourself against competitors, looking what other functionality exists out there, what they push in, etc. And I think that that's such a key point that is often really heavily overlooked. I think it can be we're getting really excited about the idea of a site migration. It's great. We're going to have this fantastic new website. We're going to do all of these things. But taking a step back, it's then about doing that really heavy analysis piece from the outset of saying why, what is the, you know, what are the non-negotiables, if you like, in terms of you know, what can't we lose? You know, so it's great that we're going to have this new functionality over here, but ultimately, what can't we lose? Because what are the, the industry norms? So I think that leads me nicely on the question I've got for you, Kev, which is around sort of, it's then really got to be linked in with defining where you want to be. So understanding how that move forward piece comes around. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's like, once you understand why you want to change the website, in you know not just like you say data but also that gut feel i, I mean in a, in a job previous i had uh someone want to change their website because the md's wife didn't like the website so it could be an aesthetic thing you know something as trivial as that right the way around to you know platform requirements and limitations so once you've established the the reasons why you want to change you can then decide whether it's a reskin Staying with your current platform and investing in your web development time that way doesn't necessarily mean there isn't a web migration needed because URLs can change. You know, a lot of lot of things that Google rely on can actually change. So reskin is as impactful as a website replatforming. But if it's a website replatforming, what you need to understand there is why do you need to replatform? So one of the things that we tend to do is we look at um, what are the requirements needed for your new website? What are the web uh, website requirements uh, as a whole? Common things that we tend to find are um, functionality. So faceted navigation is a big one for e-commerce clients, you know, where they've, we've basically taken a website or a client as, as far as we can with current target landing pages. Um, so that might be something like, a uh, fashion client who wants to target dresses. I always use dresses as an example and I get absolutely ripped for it every time, but I've worked with a lot of dresses clients, but it might be dresses and they might be manually creating a black dresses page and a red dresses page or something like that. But with faceted navigation, that can be automatically um, pushed out. So it automatically creates these combinations. You can then start doing style of dress, material of dress, and that just comes from a new, re a new platform. Um, 
again, things such as uh, international SEO is another aspect. You know, you might want to you know, expand the website into the US, into a new territory. You know, some of the bigger platforms such as um, Salesforce, et cetera, can, can help with this and make this a lot easier, but it does require an investment. So what we, what we need to do is understand the platform requirements and the limitations that, that will be encountered. Once we've done that, we can then sort of then get involved in the, the scoping of the, the website migration because it just doesn't happen automatically. And a lot of clients seem to think that, oh, we're just going to go to this new platform and we're going to launch it on Friday. I've been in website migrations that have taken a year and a half. Uh, the, you know, some of them can require a hell of a lot of planning, and that's because we need to take into account keyword research. We need to take into account you know, which pages we actually need on the website versus which pages we actually want. So we need to create an extensive um, sitemap, create a user experience for, for the website as well. But we also want to try and create additional opportunity in targeting and content types. And this is one thing that a lot of people tend to forget about is Obviously, with all of the um, structured data, with all of the featured snippets, we need the capability of answering questions on websites as well. And this almost seems like an afterthought for a lot of people. So this can be done with a simple FAQ. It can be done within the category, but it can also be done with an actual content hub, which might not be available on the current platform. So we need to look at all of that type of information and with that type of requirements. And then once you understand all of that, you can then look at your current pages on your website, understand that high value pages from the data that uh, Rachel was talking about there. And then you can basically then build a new website off or a new website structure off the back of that. So it's a, it's a case of understanding in summary, you know, what do you need? What's missing? And what do you actually want from the new website? Once you've got that, then you basically know where you want to be. Yeah. And then, and then just to come in on that then Kev. So, I agree sort of it's about, you know, taking Rachel's point, you know, that we, we discussed right at the beginning around sort of understanding the motivations, what's driving that and, and analysing where we are right now. You know, we then talked about sort of defining where we want to be. And then for me, it's like, so what's the steps and the processes, and the key fundamentals that you need to think about in terms of plotting how you'll actually, you know, deliver, how you'll get to the point that you desired end goal, if you like. Yeah. So I think um, this is the bit that, people who have migrated a website are familiar with. And unfortunately, they're, they're familiar with it in a, a negative aspect because it's almost an afterthought. Um, the amount of times where I've had an email from a client saying, we're launching a new website tomorrow, or we launched a new website yesterday is, you know, I, I didn't used to have gray hair. So it's those kind of emails that you, you just hate to see because one, you need to get us involved as soon as possible. The moment you even think about getting a website or think about having a new website, you need to get everybody involved. Um, so the way that we recommend doing that is let's have a scoping session around the, the technical platform itself. You know, what are you trying to do? And can the platform you've chosen do that? And it's not to say that you've been missold a platform. You know, it might be the case of based on experience, that platform might not be best suited for that square peg round hole scenario. Um, so we need to do a technical review on the, the scope, but also a technical review whilst it's being developed. So you generally tend to have development stations, UAT testing areas, et cetera, where people are in there testing things. But we also want to look at um, user experience testing as well. And there's no better people to, to test your website than your current staff, the people who use it on a day-to-day -day basis from a requirement perspective. You also want to use, you know, 
third party testers. So you can you can you know hire third party to uh, testing um sort of solutions out there as well. But I think for me the the whole migration plan and we, we generally we generally have a full migration scope in project when when a client comes on board once we know what they want to do, the size of the platform, the size of the opportunity versus the size of where they currently are. And you need to be doing a lot of things from a migration. We did cover this in the previous podcast, but in, in summary, we need to look at um, those redirects, those moving um, signs that you were uh, referring to earlier there, David. If, you know, you've got to let people know that you've moved each URL individually to the new URL, and that can take a lot of time. Um, I've just moved a, um, a massive, massive client um, who basically had around about uh, 50,000 URLs at their top level and second level categories per country, and they migrated five of them. That just doesn't happen overnight. You know, we had a plan, we had to do all of that. So we need to make sure that the, the redirects are in place. We also need to make sure that the timeline is adhered to, and it doesn't just involve the client. It doesn't just involve an SEO agency. It doesn't just involve a paid agency. It involves everybody. Content needs re, uh, rewritten potentially. Branding needs to be taken into account. PR need to be aware that you're going to launch a new website because there's lots of things that you can do to promote the launch of the new website. I know a lot of big brands don't like to promote the launch of the new website in case it doesn't go as well as it could. But once you know the green lights are being ticked, by all means, you can just get, get that promoted massively. So I think that timeline requirements needs to be adhered to. And then all of that just needs to wrap into a project plan and a launch plan. Let everybody know what's happening, where and when. Let everybody know where their requirements are needed from a dev, from a content, from a from a um, you know an SEO perspective. And I think the other thing is stop having afterthoughts with regards to functionality as well. You know, are you using a plugin that you rely on um, on your current platform that you you're just going to expect it's needed there? So it's almost creating a big hit list of we use all of these plugins and we want those carried over to the new website. SEO agency really isn't involved with with that aspect. It's a development aspect. But what I see time and time again is just assumptions. Everyone just assumes that something is going to be discussed at some point with the relevant parts. So everyone needs to just have a little bit of a a think on that one for third parties. And then just prepare everything in advance. Like don't launch a website in a week's time when you you started on it two weeks ago. It needs to be tested. It needs to be uh, involved and just get the right consultant uh, consultants and the right stakeholders involved with all of that. Do you ever sort of talk about, you know, scenario planning, Kev? Because, you know, again, I, you know, I've been involved in, in, in a few of these now in terms of site migrations from a paid marketing perspective. And I think one of the things that we saw with the client that we worked on, work, working with, um, they were managing moving from one brand that had been well-established in the market for a number of years over to a new brand. And they were trying to do that across 12 countries. And they literally sort of tried to do that over a six-week period, you know. And and we were sat going, but from a paid marketing perspective, there's redirects, there's, you know, product landing pages that we need to, you know, sort of direct the traffic towards, et cetera. Um, and I think from, from, I'll be honest, from the outset, we sort of started to scenario plan because we were saying, the chances of them being actually live and available on the date that they're specifying, um, particularly as it was over the over a, a particular time in the year, which meant that it would have been really challenging because of national holidays, etc. Um, so, you know, we started to develop a sort of plan backwards to say, 
position A is obviously it, it migrates on that day. But if there's position B, and you know, we almost came up with sort of three or four scenarios as to how do we actually keep making sure that we're driving revenue through the site because you know a day off for them was worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. So you can you can do you can do sort of micro and sort of macro scenarios. So what you what you were referring to there was the the whole macro scenario of if you know option A doesn't work out as planned, move on option B and just having a bit of a scenario for that, yeah. um, which is which is great. And that's where the, the full service agency aspect becomes involved. It's not, you know, Linda, the project planner, who's just, you know, liaison with the development team. It, 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 everyone has to get involved. Everyone has to speak to each other to, to understand all of that. And then I think what um, we tend to find with the, the micro scenarios is, Simple things as testing your, your basket ahead of time. Can people actually add products to your basket at the the day of launch? Um, thankfully, when we've been working with, with big clients, they get hundreds of orders every couple of minutes. So you knew straight away that it wasn't working if it was not going to work. But there are other clients who are migrating a website who might only get 30 inquiries a month but the very valuable inquiries. So again, scenario testing the forms, just carrying out all of those little aspects to, to make sure that everything everything's working. And then if it's something like that, that's not working, that's an easy fix. That goes back to the development team and you know you, you run a ticket-based system, et cetera. If it's a macro, then you know it could be a huge thing, such as you know, the plugin isn't working, um, you know, feeds aren't working, or you know, the AdWords um account has not been verified with a domain change or whatever. You know, there's a whole host of different things that can go wrong. So yeah, just planning those um definitely is needed. Yeah, I think for me, when I think about sort of website migrations, I always think about you don't know what you don't know, right? So I yeah. think a lot of people go into it if you just simply don't know, you don't know. Um so I think from our perspective, like you've talked a lot about that consultative process, Kev. So, you know, I think there's been a big part about not just informing, but consulting and taking people along that journey, both internally and external. Um, so do you want to talk about a few of the key stakeholder groups that you feel are, are the key ones that you want to you know, focus on as part of this migration process? Yeah, definitely. So I think for... Every migration that we we um, we carry out, we have the the scoping session. Now, generally, people have decided that they want to move um, the website over to a new platform. So we get all the marketing directors involved. We get all of the um, the the people who are tasked with the success of the website, shall we say? But we also get the people involved who are going to be uploading the content, or writing the content, or actually using the website on a day to day basis. And we also get the people who are going to um, fulfill any orders or inquiries from that. That can be a small team of three. That can be a full team of, you know, 30, 40 people. But we try to get them involved in, and have a little look at um, sort of the internal stakeholder aspect to make sure that, one, the website is what they're expecting. But it's also to manage those expectations to say, actually, what you assume the functionality will be is not what the functionality will be. And... You're kind of trying to get ahead of it to not necessarily manage expectations for, for for staff, but also to make sure that everyone's communicating the same message as well. 
when you're looking at the um, the launch of the website. The reason we've done this is Y. The reason that that does this is X. Um, so that helps with promoting the new website and, it, and its benefits as a whole. But I think the, um, the 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 main aspect is the new website can just benefit the whole business. It's not just we're changing the website for aesthetics. We're changing it because we are wanting to grow. We are wanting to, you know, grow the business in three, four, five years, whatever. Um, it's all about just a ex, ex, sort of understanding that. But then I think the the final part um, that everyone needs to to take into account is is just that customer and web user analysis. You know, looking at the research um, of of how the website is being used currently, I think is one thing that is something that I've I've learned over the last several years is speak to the customer services team who deal with the people who are ringing up and they say, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. And then that can feed into, into the, the, the website migration as well, because at the end of the day, they're the people who are going to speak to the clients who are going to get annoyed. And if the new website does exactly the same thing again, you've wasted your time and your money. Yeah. And I think that leads me nicely on the sort of final point of, you know, we wanted to discuss really, which was around sort of measuring, measuring, monitoring and informing. Um, and I think, the reason it leads so nicely onto it is I think I think it's really simple, isn't it? I say if you've got a massive website and you, you're focusing on conversions, you know, so where's the conversion at? Are we seeing those conversions come through? Has it increased? Has it decreased? Essentially, it's a really straightforward sort of measure, but there's way more to it than that because, you know, we've factored in, we've talked about things like user journey, we've talked about things like customer service, engagement rates, et cetera, that all form part of that process. So, Rachel, in terms of sort of monitoring and measuring site migration, what what are the key metrics from an organic perspective that we look at? Yeah, so like Kev said, some of these projects can go on for a really long time. So the question you're going to be asked is, you know, was it success, successful? Did it work? And I guess you need to know how to answer that. And it's really important that you understand and you kind of, you know, we talked about defining what you want your website to do. And it might be great if your website does all that. But, you know, for instance, if Google can't find it, if a user, it might look nice and it might be more aesthetically pleasing. But if no one can use it and people can't get through the checkout and all of these examples that we've provided, did that really work and was that successful? So this is why we're highlighting that this point is really important. So first, if we take a look at it from the organic perspective, you know, key metrics that we would kind of usually monitor would be things like search visibility and your organic ranks, because we know they're two key metrics that can quite heavily be impacted based on how well or how um, not so well a migration went. Um, really, that's going to, they will, they, will, they will have the opportunity to fluctuate and, you know, you might see some drops. Um, sometimes that's expected, but there is also a recovery period. But if something was continually dropping, that's going to be a good indicator straight away that maybe things haven't went as planned and that's something would need addressed. And um, there's different ways to kind of highlight some of these reasons and these understandings as to maybe what was the result of why your search visibility or your rank can drop. There's things that you can do to kind of highlight the areas. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so following up on that then, Kev, you know, Coming onto that, it's like, how do you how do you sort of measure against those then and monitor those key elements from a technical perspective? 
So the the way that we tend to do it is we will take a benchmark of your rankings, which is key. Um, and we generally have a day of go live check. So when you replatform, uh, you update your DNS records to basically say we're now no, no longer on this server, we're moved over to this server, which is like moving house. Um, Google needs to know that that's done in such a way, such as the redirects are 301 permanent redirects. They're not temporary redirects. Um, that basically says to Google, update your records. So we do a lot of go live uh, checks in that way. Currently, our go live checklist is around about 15 points. Um, and that is from something as simple as making sure your robot's text file doesn't include a block. So Google can't get into your website. The amount of big name brands who launch a website with a robot's text block, which basically has just told Google, you're not allowed to see my website is comical. I'll be honest with you. Um, so that's one of the key things that, that you need to take into account. The other thing is you need to um, make sure that you, you constantly reviewing those technical aspects. So what should have happened before the day of go live is you constantly in touch with the development team. There's been technical analysis documents um, created and ran on the development platforms. But sometimes you're working up to you know two hours before it goes live. Um, we were still making changes for a, a very big high street brand uh, around about 4 a.m. before a 6 a.m. launch. Um, so there's some things that, you know, it goes to the wire. So what we need to make sure is just that um, everything from tech perspective is checked. It's checked and it's checked. But check those rankings. See if there's fluctuations. It takes roughly, I'd say, around about six weeks for a full sort of fluctuation aspect to sort of stop happening. Um, Google's got a hell of a lot better at migrating, but um, from a tech perspective, just continually making sure that Google can get in there. We have tools um, and we have checks ourselves that emulate Google. So we're quite good at, at sort of preempting those by doing those checks. So I think then finally sort of, is, is core web vitals something that you need to consider as part of this, Kev? I think it's definitely a consideration if you are replatformed. Well, yeah, in reskin and, re and replatforming, to be honest with you. Um, so anyone who doesn't know what Core Web Vitals is, it's basically um, going to be part of the page experience algorithm, which is um, where Google not don't necessarily look um, and rely on metrics such as, uh, as links, as content on the page, et cetera. It looks at the experience a user has, so how quick a page loads, um, what's the limitations on mobile, et cetera. It, it's kind of wrapped all of these up into a new new algorithm, which is currently rolling out um, long at the minute. Um, so it's definitely something that, that has to be taken into account, David, 100%. I think, um, you know, Coming back to the final point I want to make is, is that you mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's about how all those components work together. I think, you know, for me as a full service agency, I know we've worked, for example, on, on a recent site migration for a big retailer. You know, we've added our technical expertise into through yourself, Kev. So it wasn't just we weren't looking at it just from an organic perspective. We also had to understand you know, shopping feeds and how they were going to integrate across the new platform into this platform, what the likely downtime was going to be in terms of switching ads over, et cetera. So I think there's there's a whole piece around understanding um, sort of how each component actually fits together and the measurements that you can actually do along the way that actually allow you to, to look at what's working and what isn't working. Because ultimately, 
you want to ensure as well that the, the objective that you set out to achieve from the outset is, deliver, is delivered upon at the end. The worst outcome for any site migration is you go into it with a clear rationale, really nicely structured approach, invest a lot of time, money, energy, and effort. And actually, it doesn't deliver the performance or it doesn't solve the problem you were looking for it to solve. So I think that for me, it's about understanding those, you know, what you're measuring from the outset, what you're hoping to achieve, uh, what you're hoping to impact, and then considering sort of, you know, how you best manage that in a structured, consistent way. Um, I've got a question that came in, Kev, around uh, what was the name of the platform, Call Web Vitals? So, yeah, sorry about that. Um, the wasn't actually a platform name. It was uh, Core Web Vitals as a Google update. That's uh, our Google initiative that's rolling out at the moment. Um, so with, um, if you go to uh, web.dev, um, that's the full domain. Um, that is Google's um, sort of help file on Core Web Vitals. That gives you all of the, the rundown on that. But yeah, it's, it's a Google um, Google initiative, not a, not a web platform. Sorry about that. Yeah, and I think for anybody wanting to learn a bit more about Core Web Vitals as well, it's important to note that we've done a number of, of webinars, podcasts, et cetera, on, on that specific topic um, over sort of the last six months because we, we knew that this change was coming into play for a while now. It's been pushed back a, a, a couple of times now, I believe. Um, yep. You know, so... You know, we've been talking to people about how you manage this process and what it means, uh, and and sort of you know the impact that that could have. Kev, I guess this is a you know a million dollar question that we've just been asked uh, was around sort of when is Core Web Vitals expected to roll out now? So it's changed date wise several times. Um, they basically did. Um, they did confirm that it was going to start ranking the page experience ranking factor from around about mid June. Um, it's going to be a, a slow rollout, so they believe it's going to be um, complete. I think by the end of August um, as a as a, a full entire um, update. So it's not going to be a, a switch as such. Um, like you said, there, David, it's been running for. Oh, they, they've been telling us it's coming for over a year now. So they are they are gathering the information. People have been making changes, but as with most things, people have left it to the last second to make these changes despite us banging the drum about it. Um, so yeah, um, we shouldn't really expect any any huge fluctuations or update or movements until roughly the end of August. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I'm going to finish now with just the, the five summaries, the actionable sort of takeaways that I've taken um, from this session. I think the first one for me is have a clear reason why you're moving websites or what the benefits are and what's important in terms of, you know, what you want to achieve from the new site. I think that's important for two reasons, actually. Um, generally, buy-in. Um, secondly, planning. And actually, third reason, benchmarking. So you can actually say sort of, did it achieve what you were hoping it would achieve from the outset? I think the second point would be understand your benchmark with your current uh, performance using your data and what improvements are to be expected. So that's not just understanding the top line, the benchmark. It's about digging a little deeper and understanding what you would expect it to see, whether that be you know, on-page experience, whether that be how categories perform, et cetera. But I think it's about looking across the piece and looking at the, the, the real data behind each of those. The third point would be something that Rachel would always advocate, which is test, test, and test again. Uh, don't expect a new website to miraculously uh, launch with no issues. Use the migration time to test, refine, and fix key issues that affect the user, but also digital performance. I think, you know, we're a test and learn uh, based industry. You know, anybody using digital and tells you uh, they're not, you know, I, I would question. Um, we test things. 
and we were always constantly running minor tests, whether that be driving traffic to a certain page in a certain way to see how it performs. But really, you want to make sure that you know you're testing throughout that launch process, testing little plugins, testing whether certain facets are actually delivering what you you, you want need them to do. Um, number four would be ensure all digital providers and platforms are aware of the migration to give everyone a chance to make any changes required for their respective channel. So this goes back to that communication piece that we talked about, Kev, for me, where we we talked around, you know, not just thinking about direct stakeholders, you know, thinking about those indirect stakeholders that you might need to get involved. So whether they be third party providers, et cetera. And then finally, so make sure you choose the correct measurement and KPIs, which will allow you to easily monitor what success looks like in terms of your migration. I think that going back to the point we said at the, the, the beginning of this, migrating a site's really exciting. It's a really exciting initiative. And from, you know, the trick here, I think, is not to get drawn into the excitement of it all is really understanding what are you trying to actually achieve? Because you know, migrating a site's great, but ultimately we want to also make sure it delivers the performance because that was clearly the motivation for, for through going through the pain anyway. Um, so from our perspective, it's understand how you're going to measure, what are those KPIs, and those uh, sort of KPIs can be at a micro level. It doesn't have to be overall conversion. It doesn't have to be on uh, site on uh, time on site. It doesn't have to be, you know, sales increase, etc. There can be sort of mini KPIs or micro-conversions that we look to monitor as part of that. Um, I'd like to sort of just finish by saying thanks very much to everybody. Thanks for the questions that we've been asked. Thanks to, to Kev and Rachel for your input today. As always, if you've got anything further you want to discuss around site migration or any of your digital needs, then as always, please feel free to get in touch. We'll be delivering another masterclass this time next week and look forward to seeing you then. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Cheers, all. Thanks. Bye-bye.